This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Welcome, Talk Catholic, the website.com, your host, Tim Kilcoyne. No agendas here, just the straight and narrow, through Mary to Jesus, the Catholic faith proclaimed and preserved. Hope to see you here every week. TalkCatholic.com with Tim Kilcoyne, and we will be doing our book review. The Priest Undercover is the theme today with Father William Casey. You Shall Stand Firm is the name of the book, Preserving the Faith in an Age of Apostasy. And I just, as usual, like to share my little tidbits of joy for the week. I just received a nice text from the Oblates of Mary Immaculate to play my horn on St. Patty's Day. Oh, yes. We are back at it. I had mentioned that the great epiphany happened a little earlier on Christmas morning past. Uh, Literally in the wee hours, I was able to play my trumpet for the first time in over a year and two weeks post-pneumonia and was already out at my hometown in Clinton with Larry Domenico playing at the Sunshine Cafe. What a comeback of three years now, if I'm not mistaken, to St. Patty's Day three years ago is when it all started. The life shut down. So it's been a long haul and great, great joy. And at one of the nursing homes, uh, right after playing with Larry, I went out to an Alzheimer's unit and I ran into a gentleman. Oh my goodness, we all should be ashamed. (laughs) This fellow was only 83 years young, offering his musical services to our elderly. Had a guitar case and music speakers and all the rest, and I assumed he was a musician, needless to say. But he was actually an impressionist. He put on impressions of famous celebrity people, like Elvis, thus the guitar, and going out to the very environment that can be dangerous, uh, you know, post-80 for sure, as we learned in the beginning of this nightmare. And no fear no fear he was not catholic he was an evangelical christian of some sort he didn't tell me but it was quite clear in his speech as he um, spoke about jesus getting ready to return and there are enough dots to connect in that direction without getting ridiculous or doomsdayish as our overall persona no this fellow had all his wits about him. And more so, he had a piercing understanding and wisdom of what the heck has been happening in both the political and spiritual sphere, where ordinarily decent, diligent-minded people have made some very strange decisions about any number of things. And it seems as if we were speaking mutually about this diabolical disorientation, which I told him had been very much prophesied by Our Lady at Fatima, where we would have the hierarchy clueless. The very people that are to know right from wrong and stand up for it, we're now exchanging right for wrong, okay? Getting black mixed up with white, etc. 
we're simply calling black white and white black. And that's about, you know, there's a new book I'll be uh, addressing soon called Revolt Against Reality. That kind of sums it up. And I thought to myself, and I had been sharing with another friend of mine that I was explaining the art of evangelization. And I was trying to say to this gentleman at the nursing home as well, I says, one of our problems has always been we try sometimes too quickly to get people onto the truth of things without their doing their homework and so they feel put off and not equipped and therefore you don't get the reaction you're looking for openness docility and we forget about the three attributes of our lord truth beauty goodness put them in whatever order you like but these represent the very essence of God. And so you always have an opportunity to engage and capture the heart of souls by presenting yourself in one of those three venues, whether it be either one more, especially over and above the other. For those of us, as I said to this gentleman in the vineyard, you know, we tend to gravitate towards apologetic catechesis and the cerebral talk show or whatever. But how about for those of us who are musicians or impressionists, artists of whatever variety? That is your unique gift given for God's glory. And this is what has to be remembered if we're if we're to build some bridges and get beyond some of the, uh, well, just keep it basic, Tim, the polarization of the last three years, just remember, do something beautiful, do something good, and you might find that common denominator that you can build on towards proper catechesis. And with this gentleman, for sure, I found a beautiful common denominator of a love of God and wanting to just give a straight injection of love by way of entertainment which indeed is one of the best forms of ministry. It truly bound us together spiritually, even though we had our differences, I'm sure. We weren't ready to jump on those differences. We were all ready to call one another and see maybe we can be of service to each other as fellow entertainers. And uh, it was a beautiful thing, ladies and gentlemen. And as the bumper sticker reminds us, let's perform those random acts of kindness more generously in 2023. But I should add one more little thing that was quite obvious in our bondedness, and that was the twinkle in the eye in Christ Jesus. And I firmly believe that that comes more from prayer ongoing in one's private, personal life. One way or the other, this was a man I could clearly tell was in dialogue with our Lord. And in a time when everything is out of control within our institutions, well, you have to keep your eyes on Jesus himself, a la St. John Bosco in a great movie on him where he's walking a tight wire as a child and all his friends are jeering at him and telling him to fall. And he just keeps his eyes straight forward and doesn't get bothered by all the difficulties around him he knew what he had to do, get to the end zone. And that's absolutely what we've got to do right now in the culture of death that we're in. We have to keep our focus on our Lord himself and stay close in prayer and dialogue, and it'll be okay. Now to my mini-series on the Synod on Synodality, where I was finishing up and speaking to... Um, well, the big word is called epistemology and how this synod is based on an attitude 
that everybody, everybody's opinion is of equal value. And it's simply a matter of going around the horn at the big table, the big round table, and we'll have at it, share our positions regarding this, that, and the other uh, based on personal experience, and that'll be it. We'll go home. And as long as everything was shared peacefully and in a civil way, we got something done. <laughs> Very radically different from the tried and true age-old passing on of moral wisdom that some have in greater abundance than others. And this common sense attitude towards education and most of all, the simple passing on of our deposit of faith unchanging 2023 years and going was just completely lost sight of going back to the uh, 60s when I shared my experience in the sixth grade and how the desks were all of a sudden uh, realigned into a box square instead of the symmetrical rows. But the bottom line was that we had an aversion, an aversion to speaking to the issue. This was the umbrella under which the new hierarchy post-1965 was operating anything but speaking truth to evil, like the issues that the church teaches on, specifically regarding contraception, marriage, one man, one woman, etc., etc. These kind of things, the church's teachings on the tough issues, they just get put over on the side. As we now listen to the experiences of the faithful only. I remember my mom used to tell me that she used to uh, go to a cynical, which used to be in Lancaster, Massachusetts, and they'd have great speakers. This is in the early 60s. And they'd have these wonderful speakers on the Catholic faith. And then all of a sudden, right at about the same exact time that I referred to you, my sixth grade class, where I was shocked when I came in day one, okay? It was right at that same time that mom's cynical meetings were no longer inviting wise people in the faith. Prayerful, in sanctifying grace, solid prayer life, with the desire to simply pass on the age-old wisdom, not their own. But the new zeitgeist was here in the church at this time. Rather, they were just going and shooting the breeze around the table again. Everybody's an expert. This is baloney, ladies and gentlemen. I knew it was baloney in the sixth grade. I knew it was baloney at Boston College in the 1970s. And it is still baloney over in Rome or in any other diocese where this synodal process is being conducted. If they think that the inductive approach to truth is going to somehow bring down new commandments from Sinai, ain't going to happen. And just be ready for it because I have no doubt that some significant changes are going to be derived from this process, which is an end around the catechism of the Catholic Church. Let me go on with this article from Catholic Family News. In France, Bishop Alexandre Jolly of Troyes, who was in charge of the French Synod report, noted that many contributions came from Christians who do not regularly attend Sunday Mass, but feel concerned by the life of the Church, as well as Christians who are notably far from the life of the Church and explain their distance or testify to their expectations of the Church. So again, you know, who are these participants in these meetings? They may not be church-going, faithful Catholics whatsoever. Don't put their voice on the same par as the educated, faithful Catholic who has a devotional life a sacramental life, a prayer life, and knows his faith well. They are not to be put 
in the same room if we're going to weigh the voices on the same level. They cannot be weighed on the same level. This is, again, placing anybody's opinion on a par with wisdom. The church is not a pure democracy. This is not the government. Not that we the people's doing very well there either. And of course, the communist agenda, which is very much a part of this whole educational pedagogy, because what is the communist playbook always trying to get people to do? Everybody's the same. Dumb it down. Don't hold up procedures and and a regimen for excellence. Don't hold anybody, any one person up as higher than in wisdom than the other. Or any other accomplishment. Because we can't have that in a, in a Marxist society. Very closely aligned, the educators be behind the synodal process tend to be no doubt sympathizers politically with a socialist leftist element philosophically if not politically it, it it's impossible not to see the connection they want to stray from that which is traditional in every realm including educational pedagogy because that's just too traditional too competitive for me and we can never go there, when in fact that's exactly who the church is. Disciples striving for excellence. Be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect, Jesus said. Jesus gave Peter the keys. He didn't give them to the other 11 apostles. He cited and called out Peter amongst the 12 to be the leader of the 12 and the church at large. Sounds hierarchical to me. Not a democracy. Peter's voice was going to make a difference for the rest of the apostles. Infallibility was born from exactly what our Lord did right there. For whatever you loose shall be loosed, whatever you hold bound shall be held bound. He's giving the keys to Peter. The keys of truth and authority. This is not egalitarian. This is hierarchical. And we better get over it. It's okay to obey. What also should be noted from the Bishop of France is that the 20 to 45-year-old generation was virtually absent from diocesan discussions. Well, they're virtually absent, if you notice, from almost every Mass that you and I attend on a Saturday or Sunday these days. That is exactly the net result of this highly liberal agenda that has been at work for decades. The people raising families and their children are not present. I don't know what you see, but I see an aging population, 65 plus, that suggests to me that we're going to be having to get a helicopter to go to Mass about 15 years from now to travel the distance between actual Catholic churches versus paraliturgical places. Because that's what all the other parishes are going to become with no priest present and nobody between 20 and 45 going to Mass. They'll be holding paraliturgical, this is one of the favorite phrases of the 1970s, 1980s, the religious educators, quote-unquote, okay? Because this is the agenda for women priesthood, that they'll simply take over the parishes because their numbers are in domination. This is paving the way for the Great Rebellion. And on the clock that I'm watching, it likely will come at the end of this synod. So please don't get upset at me for pointing these things out. This is dead serious, an attack on the authority of the Catholic Church and her magisterium, most especially an attack on our Lord and not getting with the program of being called out as leaders to pass on the faith, not create it from the round circle with whomever's in front of you. That's the Always the easy way out because nobody has to know the truth about anything. Or better yet, speak the truth about anything.
We will not go there at WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. We'll get back to our book review, You Shall Stand Firm, by Father William Casey. On the other side. Okay, we are in the chapter, The Priest is a Marked Man. In the book, You Shall Stand Firm, Preserving the Faith in an Age of Apostasy. And in the beginning of the chapter, Father is just telling it like it is regarding the rare calling and importance and dignity of the priesthood. And that, as he says, without priests, we cannot receive Holy Communion. Without priests, we have no Jesus. And he tries to make this distinction between just a career versus a vocation, that it is our Lord who decides. As he says, it was not you who chose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain. The priesthood is indeed a unique calling. And then he continues on in the next paragraph and says, there was a documentary on one of the cable news networks about street gangs in America. They estimated that there were now roughly 250,000 members of violent street gangs across the United States alone. That's a quarter of a million young men given over to the devil. All the while, there are less than 6,000 Catholic seminarians in the major seminaries across the country. We are told there are now a half a million lawyers in the United States. I have nothing against lawyers, but there are only about 45,000 active priests in this country. We are also told that there are now 68 million Catholics in the United States. Unfortunately, only about one-third of them are still practicing the faith. Of those who are practicing outside of Sunday Mass, 90% have no personal contact with a priest. This is disastrous. Because of this, what most people, including Catholics, think they know about the priesthood usually comes from the secular news, Hollywood, and the entertainment media, and no good can possibly come of that. People have developed this faulty idea that priests live in a dark, dismal, lonely kind of existence. They're confused, neurotic men and have wasted their whole lives and spent a great deal of time feeling sorry for themselves. I'm sick of hearing it. It's all nonsense. Yet in light of current events, you probably need to hear this from at least one of us from time to time. I love being a priest. I would never want to be anything other than a priest. The priesthood is the joy of my life. The late John Cardinal O'Connor used to say, I love being a priest and being a bishop is even better. To stand in the place of Christ, to act in the person of Christ, and to make Jesus Christ present in his divinity and in his humanity in the Holy Eucharist at Mass, that is the single greatest thing God could ever call a man to do. Say what you will, and I would not trade my priesthood for anything in this world, not for any amount of money, for any woman, for any amount of power. If I had 100 lives to live to give to our Lord Jesus Christ, it would still be far less than what our Lord deserves for me. I can speak for only myself, but I don't feel as if I gave up all that much when I became a priest. As the saying goes, he, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I.e., eternal life promised by our Lord. Just a quick comment on Father's words. I think it is uh, absolutely my experience. How about yours? But I haven't heard a priest talking about the joys and the grandeur, the splendor of the priesthood. More personally, his priesthood. Why not? We'd like to hear about that vocation more from the pulpit. It makes a big difference when you hear people speak in joy about exactly what God has called them to do as a state of life. And this includes married people. I've urged a particular friend of mine who lives a wonderful Catholic life and practices the church's teachings and has six children as fruit. 
And I've told them, you don't know how important it is for you and your wife to get out there to maybe a catechism class or some special function at your parish to let God's people in on the great secret of love, the great secret of the church's teachings making a huge, happy difference. We need, we only hear about the bad stuff. We don't even hear about that. It's all too much sense that if you're comfortable in your skin, as they say, or in this case, in your collar, then tell people about it. Tell them about the joy of being a priest. From the gut, with passion. Our children will tune in immediately. And don't be so surprised about the 17-year-olds. All right? They want to hear the joy. What Father's saying about the depiction of priests as being neurotic, well, indeed, don't give in to that neuroses by, you know, not doing that which is most logical. If you are at peace and happy in your vocation, then tell the world about it. Everything these days has been undercover and not to God's people's benefit for sure. Let's go on. Father Casey says, I remember seeing a cover story in the Lay Witness magazine from a time when the priest scandals were still in the forefront of the news. The title of the article was The Priesthood in the 21st Century, and on the cover was an illustration of a young priest standing at the crossroads, a fork with a signpost in the middle, and a series of markers pointing in opposite directions. The priest was staring up at those signs, deciding which road to take, vocation or job, apostle or bureaucrat, fidelity or dissent, holiness or scandal, devotion or burnout. That is how it works in this particular life, because the calling will present every priest with a clear choice of which of those two roads to take. The choice he makes will decide what he will be forever. I've heard it said that one way or the other, for better or worse, every priest will take many souls with him on the way he chooses to go, whether it be to salvation or damnation. One way or the other, he will be a priest forever. We Catholics in America should understand by now, better than anyone, what can happen when priests take the wrong road. Dire consequences will always follow when a priest fails to recognize his true identity, his true dignity, and his responsibility as a man of God, a priest of the new and everlasting covenant. In light of the current events, it is the best possible time to ask the questions, who is the priest? What is the priest? Who is the priest intended by God to be? Father Casey then says that in most cases, given the climate we're in, with the media in control, it seems. It's a minority of priests that get the lion's share of media attention, the ones who are causing the scandal. And he says, the majority of priests who devote a lifetime of faithful service to the church and to the people of God aren't given the time of day. The media acts as if these good, faithful, God-fearing priests do not exist. The fact is that scandal sells and fidelity does not. At every Mass, Jesus Christ places himself in the consecrated hands of the priests as a victim of infinite value to obtain for us all the graces and blessings we stand in need of. As St. Padre Pio used to say, it would be easier for the world to exist without the sun than without the Mass. I'm quickly reminded of the words of Father Richard John Newhouse in an interview with Raymond Arroyo at the time of the pre-scandals, and all he said at the tail end of it was, fidelity, fidelity, fidelity. That is the call of the priest. And this radio station, this is WQPH Radio 89.3 FM, a quiet time of the year for your donation. Have a great week, everyone. God bless. Let your light shine. That is what it's all about here at WQPH Radio 89.3 FM. But we need to hear your story. You want your voice to be his voice. That is making the faith known to others. Please, 
My number is 877-625-3727. Tim Kilcoin, TalkCatholic.com. Say, Mother Teresa told us, your ministry is your work right where you are. Grab on to this microphone. God bless.